Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Welcome to Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. Hi, this is Publishing Lane, and I'm Margie Lane Klubine, and I am here with my favorite multi-published author and freelance editor, Faye Lamb. Thank you, Margie. I know we've both had busy and interesting and sometimes difficult things this month, but it's so great to have time to talk about our favorite subject, storytelling. Oh, yes. And can you believe it's already June? I cannot believe we are almost halfway through the year. Only six months until Christmas. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And only seven months until wedding. Ah, that's even more exciting. And you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know what, Faye? What's that? We are almost all the way done with the Right Integrity Press We Love Our Readers sales. Um, we started it back in September, and we've been having, we've been offering a 99-cent sale on a different book every week. I, I take it back. It was it started in October. And then folks have been able to try out new authors for pennies. They've been able to collect whole series for only a few bucks. And what a tremendous opportunity for readers to find some awesome books because the right integrity authors are a cut above. And how often does a publisher make it so that a reader can collect an entire series on sale during the same year? And you have to look for this one, folks. Yeah, and this week we have something extra special. We have some outstanding books at Right Integrity. That's just all there is to say about it. But two of these books, um, the Revisionary by Kristen Hogriff and Imperfect Lies by Elizabeth Noyce. Uh, I'm sorry, let me say it right. Noyce. I'm going to say it right. Elizabeth Noyce. They have won some prestigious awards. Now, they're not the only ones. We also have other award winners. But these two books are on sale this week for only $2.99. And I'll tell you what they won. Imperfect Lies won second place in the Right Touch Reader's Award for Romantic Suspense. And then the Revisionary won not only one, they won the CELA Award for the Speculative Fiction, but they also won the Director's Choice Award at CELA for Young Adult Fiction. So they won two CELA Awards, which are just so exciting and so hard to win. Um, these two books are on sale for $2.99 this week, right now, at Amazon. It's The Revisionary and Imperfect Lies. But that's not all. All of the books through Right Integrity by these particular authors, which um, Kristen Hogarth has her second book of her series. It's called The Revolutionary. That's on sale. And then all of the rest of Elizabeth's Imperfect series, all of them are only 99 cents. So we've got four books at 99 cents and two books at 2.99 this week. It's totally crazy. And I'm going to take advantage of that. I meant to do that today, but I'm going to do it tonight. I haven't read Kristen's, but I'm excited about it because I have heard, I have read some of that girl's writing and what she can do with words. And Elizabeth, I'm her biggest fan. I read the first two stories, and I'm anxious to get back with that Cameron clan. Oh, she is so good and riveting. I have to tell you, okay, hence here, I am actually in the process of editing her next book, Elizabeth's next book that's supposed to come out in a couple of months, and it is so good. I'm loving it. But let's get on to what we're doing. We are in the middle of our novel skeleton discussion. If you're joining us for the first time, you can access the first three sessions of the program listings. Um, Go into the listings for where we are right now, which is Along Came a Rider Network, and access the different sessions so that you can get the first three. Most of the novels that you will read or that even movies that you watch have the same structure. They're similar structures. So we've been analyzing the nine main parts of a novel, the the main parts, which there are nine of them that, that I've identified. And we've been using three 
popular movies. So hopefully you're familiar with at least one of our movies and can get a really good example of the different things we're talking about. Um, we're taking a closer look at The Princess Bride, at Beauty and the Beast, and at Star Wars 4, A New Hope, which to me it was Star Wars 1 because it was the first one that came out, but I'm not going to argue. So Faye, you give it to us. What are the high points that you picked up in the first three sessions? Well, we discussed initiation or the first part of that of the story we're writing and what is incorporated into the initiation of the reader to the story, this world that the authors created. Of course, the, fair, the very first act of the story begins with its introduction. And the type of uh -huh. introduction that you provide the reader will be based upon your genre. The introduction is the setup for your story. And many times I come across a story where someone has submitted it to me for review. And I have to go back to them and say, the first chapter of your novel, it's actually the chapter three. You need to bring chapter three and make it chapter one. This occurs because someone doesn't really recognize the significance of the introduction or the setup of a book. Ah, excellent. While the themes, they'll play out differently for different genres. And we've discussed that in the prior shows. Um, the setup right. has the same purpose for every genre. It in introduces the hero or heroine or both, and it brings the reader into their world. Then also included in the initiation is the reaction of the characters. So what are these characters reacting to? That's a good question. Conflict. Conflict needs to be a part of the initiation. We've met the hero and the heroine. We know about their story world and what to expect from the genre we're writing. But very soon after that introduction, conflict needs to either seep into the scene or it needs to explode like a bomb. Again, that would be dependent on the genre. But remember, some of the deadliest bombs in fiction are the ones that offer the reader the silence. Uh-oh. And then that will bring us into the third part of this first structure, which we call initiation, the ignition. The conflict has lit a fuse under our characters. How will they handle it? What will they do? And at this point, some authors might include what we call a door of no return, or they may keep that door closed for another scene or two, which I'm going to discuss in a moment, but the decision of the characters make that the, the decisions that the characters make at this point will be irreversible, setting them out on uncharted courses where conflict deepens with each step. And then Margie, you presented us with three movies that you've talked about that we're just dissecting. And right. I want to use them as examples. Uh, for the initiation, I'm going to look at Princess Bride, um, the Princess Bride, I should say. This is where Wesley and Buttercup are shown in their normal lives, but their normal lives have to change for there to be a story. Wesley right. decides he must leave after they've revealed to each other the feelings they have for one another. And this is actually Wesley's reaction to his love for her. He wants to make something of himself. And that introduces conflict because you don't really want lovers torn apart. But with Wesley, his reaction comes with devastating news afterwards. Buttercup learns that Wesley has been killed by a pirate. And her most intense fear and the emptiness of her future are exposed. And from that exposure, she decides to accept a proposal from the prince. And then that ignites what we call the deeper conflict for the story as Buttercup steps through one of the points of no return in the movie. So that's, that's what we got from there. Now we go into section two. So following the initi initiation and its three subsections, introduction, reaction, and ignition, we move on to the plan, which usually begins with what um, the reaction to the decision made in our first section will be. Our characters have just walked through a door of no return, or maybe they plan, maybe they, maybe the plan that they're about to initiate opens that door. The truth though, is there is no story unless they take action. So 
So right. following the reaction, there is most often a twist. This could be something revealed that takes the plot in a way not intended, or the author can weave a subplot into the story. With a twist comes the third portion of section two, and that is the effect of the twist. If something is going to bring about change, we need to see the effect of that change. But then we're not done with that section two yet because there's still another part, a part four. We call that the deeper problem. So now I want to look at Beauty and the Beast as we discussed it. Belle's point of no return and her plan when she, she came, um, that plan came about when she traded her life for her father's life and she's now living in the Beast Castle. <clears throat> Excuse me. The story's twist is that the abode she's in is an enchanted castle. So what does Belle do with this new twist in her life? During a tour conducted by a candlestick, Lumiere, and a clock, Cogsworth, they mention to Belle the forbidden zone of the west wing of the castle. Now, what's a curious girl who's found out she's living in an enchanted castle going to do with that? So can you guess what the deeper problem is going to be for Belle? There's a good chance she's going to want to visit the West Wing and a better chance she's going to get caught in the act and the beast is going to be none too happy. So with section two behind us, we are now looking towards section three, which is called the minor crisis. And I'm sure you're tired of hearing about <laughs> me and my voice. So I'm going to let Margie tell you about the minor crisis. So we pick up where we left off. Okay, in the last section, the minor crisis, um, it actually, it, it goes through uh, several different steps, but once we get to the very end of the minor crisis, it ends with either a chill or a thrill. Now, I call it this because some things end with a chill as in something bad and something negative. But sometimes this last section, this third section, ends with a thrill, something really, really good. Um, it, it just depends on the genre, and it depends on the story, to be honest. But all of them will end with something of a dum-da-da type of thing. In Princess Bride, there's a thrill uh, at the end of this last section, this uh, minor crisis. Uh, the minor crisis in this situation is the man in black who's been chasing them, who's been following them, has now had to fight against the swordsman, and then he has to fight against the giant, and then he has to brain, and he ends up defeating all of them. And he takes Buttercup. Ta-da! And so he's, it, it, we don't know if he's good or bad, so it's kind of a little bit of a, hmm, I don't know, but it is a ta-da moment. Maybe I need to call it a ta-da instead of a chill or thrill. Um, but that's the way that section ends. And then um, Beauty has been, in Beauty and the Beast, she has been attacked by wolves. Um, because like Faye was saying, she gets curious, ends up getting caught, and she runs off. The Beast actually fights them off, but during the fight, he's injured. And so she's prepared to leave. She's poised to get back on her horse and take off, but she has a change of heart. And that change of heart is almost, that's definitely a thrill. She ends up helping the beast up and taking him back to the castle. But that change of heart is almost another, um, another door of no return. It's almost like another point of no return. She didn't have to help the beast, but she ends up, going ahead and staying at the castle. It would have been a really short story if she had gone back home at that point. And then in Star Wars, yeah, and then in Star Wars, Princess Leia, um, even though she acted like she gave them the information they wanted, they were threatening her that they were going to kill her and they were going to destroy this planet if she didn't give them the information they wanted. So she faked it. She lied and gave them the information they wanted, at least they thought she did. But it didn't matter. They, they went ahead and destroyed her home planet of Alderaan anyway. That was definitely a chill. 
and she was still going to be assigned to be executed. Definitely a chilling experience, totally bad on that. Uh, it's an ebb. So Princess Bride is kind of an even keel. She's been sort of rescued from the kidnappers, but we don't know by who, and she doesn't know by who. Um, in Beauty and the Beast, she's decided to help the Beast and get him back to the castle. That's an upsweep. And then in Star Wars, we're on a downslope because she just had to watch her planet get destroyed. So with this background, we're going to enter the fourth part. We are headed for the halfway mark. This is the fourth part of the section uh, or of the, of the novel. This is called The Reflection. Some different authors will call it a man in a mirror moment. Um, that's That'll end at the very end, in the midpoint. Other people call it a false uh, finish. And so we have our own little name for it. It's kind of close to those. But this is definitely a reflection part. It's where the character arc starts showing some real changes. And the character doesn't necessarily have to change a lot. But in most novels, a character is going to have some kind of change in their personality, some kind of brokenness, I think is the best word. You know, I can actually think of a character who doesn't do that, and that's Henry Higgins in My Fair Lady. Oh, he never changed. He was just the same from the beginning to the end. But most characters do have some change. And so... Um, we're going to start getting to that change in just a second, but the reflection part is this first section. So take it away, Faye. And at this point in the story, you can usually see the main character is revisiting their goal. Um, several things have happened since the reader, the viewer has fully understood the main character's purpose. So in any good writing, though you can't simply remind the reader of the goal, the characters have to reveal it with conversation and action and don't get caught up in a plot point recitation. Oh, yeah. You know those old movies from the 1960s, the old like beach blanket bingo or the, the Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon? Was that who that was? Yes. That, yes. You know what I'm talking about? You know, they would get to almost the end of the movie and they would just say, oh, and this happened, and this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. They just give us a recitation of the entire plot. We didn't have to spend the last hour and a half watching the movie. All we had to do was turn it on in the last 30 minutes, and they would tell us everything that happened, and then we could see the end of it. We don't want to get caught up in that. We do have no. to remind, yeah, we do have to remind readers of the goal, but we, we're not going to just tell it. It's something that has to be shown with conversation and action, just like everything else in a novel has to be shown. Yes. So um, take Princess Bride. What's the goal of that movie? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, ultimately, I guess happily ever after is the goal. She's miserable because her true love, Wesley, is dead. But Wesley thinks that she's false because she agreed to marry the prince. And so I think, yeah. I, I would go with that. Yeah, right. Wesley's just defeated Buttercup's kidnappers, but she doesn't realize who he is. He's angry with her for her betrayal, and she fights against him, shoving him down an embankment. And my favorite part is he's rolling down the hill, as you wish, and he's falling. <laughs> and she hears that, and she realizes it's him, and she starts rolling after him. But yes, like, yes. That's, that's not the end of the story. <laughs> no. No, that's that's not what the end of the beauty? story. But it well, and I'll I'll tell you about Beauty and the Beast. But it, you know, the thing there is, Wesley shows the goal again. The goal is happily ever after. And as he's rolling, he's as, the as you wish. I just love that because it reveals to her who he is, but it also shows the goal again is for them to be yeah. live together happily ever after. In Beauty and the Beast, Maurice. Um, Belle's father, he's the one who really reminds us of the goal. The goal in Beauty and the Beast is to secure Belle's release. And, you know, we leave Belle in the castle. The, the scene before, Belle is in the castle helping um, the beast. We leave her there. He's, she's helping him back to the castle. We leave her there. And he's been riding through the woods with Gaston and Le Fieu. Um, and they're trying to find the castle again because... He's trying to release his daughter. Gaston doesn't believe there is a castle. He's fed up. 
he actually reveals who he is. He reveals that all of this is just a personal agenda because he's trying to marry Belle and he wants to push Maurice into letting him marry Belle. And he is fed up with Maurice. He's sick of him. And so at this point, he also reveals his love of violence. Um, his goal is to push Maurice to let him marry Belle. Maurice tells him that'll never happen. So Gaston knocks him out and ties him to a tree. Lafeu tries to talk him out of it, but Gaston ends up leaving Maurice for the wolves so that Belle will have no choice but to rely on him, Gaston, for her protection. And so he is he's actually revealing in that particular scene, they reveal both the goal to release beauty and they also reveal the antagonist's goal to um, do whatever it takes to basically capture his prey, which is, in this case, Belle. Okay, got that one. And in Star Wars, we have the reflection where the group is, it's, it's um, Ben and Hans and Chewie and Leah and Luke, and they're discussing their trip to Alderaan, and their goal is to deliver the information they've learned. And I'm sorry, did I, because I'm so, my movie, my I love this movie, but they're all together at this time, right? I didn't mistake Actually, that. no, actually, Le Leia is been, not there yet. Yeah, it's, it's just been, the other okay. four. I did watch it's, the movie a hundred times in the theater. No, so I know, I know. <laughs> so it's been no worries. Chewie and Hans. Right. <laughs> I knew where they were. They were there in the Millennium Falcon. Right. But, they're, they're wanting to get this information and um, get this information where it needs to go. And Luke knows he has to um, get ready for the force. So he's practicing it. So we are, we're reminded that this is, is their goal. So then um, complication number one arises, correct? Right, right. The next and section. This, okay, so the first, the first section of this particular part is that we have a reminder of the goal. And that's that needs to be, you know, we're gonna need to remind the reader of the goal over and over and over again through the novel. Yeah. So that's where this mm -hmm. one comes. And so this next section of, of part four of the reflection is a, a complication, a huge complication. Mm -hmm. And in Star Wars, it comes when the group is, they're getting close to Alderaan and suddenly they were caught up in a, in a debris field. It's all over the place. And it's a, a new asteroid, like they're thinking a new asteroid belt or leftover from a destroyed moon or something like that. But there's a lot of it. And the planet that, they, that they're trying to see isn't in view where it should be. So about that time, they realize that the debris field in which they're traveling is what's left of Alderaan. The Death Star then comes into view behind a moon. The spa their spacecraft is sucked inside before they can do anything to, res to resist it. That is certainly a complication. Um, it, yes. it changes everything in that story. But the complications for the other two movies aren't quite as extreme. In Princess Bride, um, after finding her Wesley, the two of them are chased by the prince and his men. She finds Wesley, and then they realize they're being chased. They run and hide in the notorious fire swamp. And they don't know why the place is called that, even though it's terribly creepy. They do find out in just a little bit. But it is a complication that they are driven into the fire swamp. Um, and then in Beauty and the Beast, this is more of an emotional complication than anything else. The bell tends to the beast's wounds, and he snaps at her. He's chewing her out because she shouldn't have been going to the West Wing. And, you know, he knows he knows what's what. And she was wrong. And it's her fault. But she gets the opportunity to turn it around on him for losing his temper so quickly. He ends up leaving and and feeling bad. So it's it's kind of an emotional complication more than anything else. I say he ends up leaving. I don't think he leaves. I think he falls asleep, if I'm not mistaken. But I might be I might be mistaken with that. I'm trying to remember, and I can't what he does at that point. But either way, he's feeling bad on it. Um, that leads us to the complication result. And so I'm going to start there with um, uh, 
the Beauty and the Beast because he's he's feeling bad. The result of the situation is the servants all step in, kind of defend him. She doesn't understand why they're not angry with him because they're just as trapped as she is. But then the servants throw Belle a curve. She already knows that the castle's enchanted, but the servants then reveal that they're actually the ones at fault for the beast's curse. Um, they saw this precious, sweet young boy who adored his mother and was so like his mother. And it, when his mother died, his father, the king, ended up raising him to be cruel, just like he was, and self-absorbed. And the servants didn't do anything to protect the boy from his father. They they didn't do they didn't try they just enabled the whole thing. And as the boy turned into as cruel a master as his father had been and self-absorbed and and self-centered, they didn't call him on it. According to Mrs. Potts, she says they've made their bed and they must lie in it. And so that is the complication result. And again, it's an emotional complication and it changes the way that Bell is is thinking about the beast now. Um, and then in Star Wars, I'm going to tell about that complication too. Um, the complication is going to drive the plot. It's going to move the plot forward even amid obstacles. And Star Wars is a perfect example of that. Their whole story has totally changed. They were going to Alderaan. All they were trying to do was deliver this information, and now suddenly they're getting sucked into this this Death Star. They have hardly any time at all to um, to react to it. Um, the group in they they've learned about the Death Star. They're being thrust into the thing for the first time. Oh wait, I'm going I'm going around the, the bend here. Um, Say, I'm going to let you talk about Star Wars while I figure out where I am. So, because <laughs> I'm here looking at this, I'm like, I skipped, I skipped something, and I'm like, oh, wait, I need to figure out where I am. So, I finished talking about Beauty and the Beast. Say, tell us about Star Wars, because I've, I started in on it, and then I lost track of where I was supposed to go. That's okay. I'm, I'm, I've, I've got your back. You've the got my back. I'm so glad you're there. <laughs> You've had mine. The group, this group in Star Wars, they've learned about the Death Star. They've been thrust into this for the first time, and now they're they're being sucked in um, to toward the enemy, and they have to get some. They have to take some quick action. Um, Son Han Solo is a smuggler, and his ship. The Millennium Falcon, as I said, has uh, secret cargo bays. Then the group and the two droids hide in one of these. Then the stormtroopers search the ship and they find no one. With only two guards left behind, the men defeat those guards. The men on the Millennium Falcon defeat those guards and are able to come out of hiding. They use the uniforms of the two stormtroopers and sneak into a network access room. There, they download more information about the Death Star, like how to turn off the tractor beam that sucked them in there in the first place. So we uh, we have gone from complication, and then we've we've gone to things that have us really interested in the story. They're 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 trying to resolve the thing, but as you were saying, the whole part of Star Wars. Is complication after complication after complication. That's what yeah. drives the story. That's, it really yeah, does drive I, the story. Yeah. yeah, you did. You did. You caught me back up because I, I, I had skipped something that I was planning on saying and I totally got lost as I was trying to finish it. And I'm like, oh, good. I am so glad you had my back. Say, thank you for being there. <laughs> okay, so now we're going on with um, the Princess Bride because the Princess Bride, they, they realize they need to run from the prince, but where they run has put them in a worse situation, complication, fire swamp. And they find out immediately why it's called the fire swamp. It's full of holes and the holes spurt fire. And the first time it happens, it lights up Buttercup's dress. And she, being the perfect damsel in distress, paralyzes with fear. So Wesley quickly takes care of the fire. And he outlines the three main concerns of the fire swamp, what he'd already heard. 
So there are three things in the fire swamp that they have to take care of. And the first one is the fire spurts. But now they can avoid those because there's a loud noise right before the fire spurts. <laughs> and okay. so we've taken care of one. We still have two more to take care of. So that is that ends up being the result of that complication. Okay, and this reflection part of the novel skeleton has a lot of sections. We've gone right. through a revisit of the goal, a complication, and now the result of the complication. Then there is an action taken. So we have a result and now we have an action. And this can be considered a brave step. For the Princess Bride, they endured the second of the problems in the fire swamp. Then she just told you that the first one was the was the quick fire fires spurt. that came up the fire spurt. Right. And the second one is the lightning sand. Buttercup then falls into the lightning and disappears. So Wesley grabs the vine and dives in after her, pulling her back to the surface. Buttercup is such a wonderful little waif. I mean, she is so perfect in that all she does is get herself in trouble. <laughs> One after the other after the other. I, you just got to love that character type. Um, so it's a brave step, and Wesley has to take a brave step on another one, saving her yet again. In Beauty and the Beast, um, this is more of an action. It's not a brave action per se, but it is still an action. See, Maurice has been left tied to a tree, and he's still pretty out of it, either from illness or from being hit by Gaston, either way. But Agatha, who is a beggar woman from the town, she finds him. And she actually brings him to her tent and nurses him back to health. It's not a brave action per se, like I said. I mean, it could be considered that. But it's still an action that was taken that's going to end up furthering, and especially toward the end of the story, a, a, a giant step um, for the plot itself. Yes, because if Maurice was just left on the tree, there would be nothing else to do. Um, yeah, poor Maurice. No more yeah. Um, in Star Wars, they take a brave step. Luke, Han, and Chewie learn that Princess Leia has been captured by Darth Vader and she's aboard the ship. They decide to rescue her and as a result, they get trapped by a squad of stormtroopers and dive into the nor the I can't even talk into the notorious. <laughs> you know, I think that scene has to be as well known as the shower murder in Psycho. I, it is one of my favorites. Yes. They, yeah. No one, when you're in there and that, all that trash and the snake diving around, um, oh, they're, yes. tra they're trapped in there and it starts to compact and they're fighting, you know, they're bickering and all of this stuff. And the droids right. are outside trying to, they're hearing, thinking they're dying. Um, and they're trying to hack into the system, shut down the machine, and even open the door. But it's last minute. There was a lot of humor in that scene and a lot of tense moments, and they took a lot of the tension out. That's something you can do with your writing when you have a very tense scene and you need to give your reader or your viewer a break is to bring some humor in there. But that was a, that was a great scene for that movie. Yeah, you know what else um, they did in that particular scene is they really, this was the first time that Luke and Han had met Princess Leia, and yet they are showing their personalities all over the place. They are oh, snapping yeah. back one-liners here and there, and just, and, and you could also see Han helping Princess Leia to the top of the pile. That, you know, when I first saw this movie, I think I was in seventh grade, and that just made my little girl heart go, oh, flutter, flutter. I just love this scene. <laughs> it still makes me hold my breath, though. Is that not the silliest thing? Like, this time I'm watching it, and they're not going to make it out. <laughs> I am sitting tense. On the edge of my seat. Oh, my gosh. Like, I haven't seen it just 101 times. But then the next <laughs> scene where, yeah, I'm telling you, this next section is where the actions in the story will expose either a virtue or a flaw in one of the characters. So we've, okay, now we've had this brave step, but now we're going to see something in the next section of our story. And Star Wars is actually another scene. And the character here is Ben Kenobi. He is going to break away from the rest of the group and go by himself to the interior of the Death Star. His job is to turn off the tractor beam 
And this exposes a virtue for Ben because he's willing to go alone and do whatever it takes for the good of the whole, no matter what it was. Okay. Um, you, I want to go back then to Beauty and the Beast because this okay. is where um, Belle revisits, we revisit Belle's past. This is where the beast offers her the use of a magic transportation book to go anywhere she wants. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We've, we've, wait, wait a minute. We skipped one. Yeah, we skipped one. This is this is actually the library. The library scene is the next scene in Beauty and the Beast. It's where it's where um, Beast is going to show his virtue, uh, his oh. generosity. Do you remember? Yes, this starts. Yes. Uh, there's something there that wasn't there before. Yes, yes, this yeah, starts. It is real personality. Yes, right, uh. right. He starts sharing his personality. He he gives her his library, um, and he even makes a joke. And she calls him on it. She's like, "Was that a joke?" <laughs> <laughs> and then, it, of course, it ends with that that sweet song. There's something there that wasn't there before. So why don't you tell us about oh. Princess Bride, Faye? I will, and I'll get back on track. And um, No, you're good. Let's see. I got two dogs barking at me. That's why I'm, I'm really off track. So I apologize, audience. Um, no in worry. Princess Bride, <laughs> the pair learns the final, the final fear of the fire swamp. And this is the rodents of unusual sizes. They've never been to Florida. Um, Wesley yeah. <laughs> shows his virtue by defending Buttercup against the R-O-U-S, the rodents of unusual sizes. And at the same time, Buttercup shows a flaw in her character when she has a complete inability to help at all. She stands there <laughs> and watches the man example. she loves fight a giant rat. She's kind of like the anti-heroine at this point. I know, I know. She's the perfect damsel. Oh, I can't yeah. figure out what to do. Ah, oh, help me, help me. Oh my gosh. And she she can't even, she's not even functional enough to pick up a rock to hit the stupid rodent. So <laughs> you say, really? In fact, she makes the matters worse by getting her dress lit on fire again. I, this so crazy. Now, this is what you want to lead into with the last section of the reflection part of our skeleton, which is where I was before. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No worries. This section is really special. Um, it's the halfway part of almost every movie. It's the halfway part of every book. Seriously, if you take Gone with the Wind and open it right in the middle, you're going to find her lifting up radishes saying as God is my witness I will never be hungry again it is the reflection it is the mirror moment this is the point when the main character sees truth for just a few minutes for just a second but the truth doesn't stick with them um, this goes back to the character personality their lives that the lies that the main character believes for instance, Buttercup, from the time of her separation from Wesley, believes she can never be happy again. But as they emerge from the fire swamp successfully, they even talk about it. She believes for the first time that they'll be okay. Um, this section is also, though, called a false apex. It's a high point that's fake, and that's what we're calling it. It's a false apex. So it is a mirror. It is a reflection. But this section is... is fake. And so I guess I just gave you some foreshadowing there. Uh, Wesley and Buttercup are not going to be okay. They think it, but they're not going to be okay eventually. Okay, so I'm going to start over with Beauty and the Beast because we want to see right. then what, where they're at. Beauty and the Beast is, the, it, it, this is again where Belle is revisiting her past, where the Beast offers her a magic transportation book that will let her go anywhere she wants to go. She wants to go to Paris um, and um, where her mother died, but where, and she wants to go to Paris of her childhood. And she learns that her mother died of a plague there, collects her baby rattle. She decides that she would rather be with the beast and struggling with her memories. 
and the truth that Belle has always wanted to know has been revealed, but it isn't important in the face of the life that she's experiencing. And that's so kind of the bottom line. Yeah, that's kind of the bottom line with a, um, with a false apex is that the character comes face to face with truth, but they don't want to see it. And so in Belle's case, now she's everything she's always wanted to know what happened to her mom, but it's not important compared to what else she's experiencing. Um, it's almost like a false ending, and that's exactly what happened in Star Wars, too. Ben Kenobi searches for Darth Vader. He turns off the, uh, he has been able to turn off the, um, oh, the beam that's going to keep a tractor beam. Thank you. I, I had, my mind wasn't coming. Um, he's been able to turn off the tractor beam. And so he goes searching for Darth Vader. Um, it's almost like he knows he has to. Okay, spoiler alert. Ben actually distracts Vader to give the others a chance to escape back to the ship. And with the force, quote unquote, wisdom, he finds out he he knows that he will be stronger after his death. So he allows Darth Vader to kill him. Talk about a false ending. Uh, you know, you think everything's done. The biggest reflection there is with Luke, the main character of the movie. Luke has always been a follower. He was doing what his uncle said, and then he was listening to Ben, his mentor. And now with Ben's death, he has to face the fact that there's no one else to complete this mission. Uh, but at this point, he doesn't want to see that. All they're trying to do is get away from, from the Death Star. That's all they're trying to do at this point is just to get away from it. Um, so, it again, it seems like a false ending. And that's where we're going to leave off on our talking about the structure this week. But I see, Margie, that we have a few minutes. So I want to, I, I basically want to apologize Good. to the readers because they should know something. You're teaching me through this oh. structure. <laughs> and that's why I, I seem a little spacey because I am not a structure person. And I've told Margie this. Structure, structure does not is not really something that I can grasp a hold of. So I'm really struggling with this. Although I've been writing long enough that I inherently do some kind of structure on my seat of the pants type of writing. But oh, I yes. want to encourage your reader, your listeners and our listeners that even though I say I'm a seat of the pants writer, I would never really tell somebody who is starting out learning the craft of writing to do it by the seat of your pants. Grab a hold of a structure. Get a hold of these, these series that Margie and I are doing. Listen to my confusion and realize that I did it the hard way. You are, you've got this great opportunity to take these things that Margie has set out for you and for me and to learn from them how to set up a novel. Once you learn how to do that, you can bury things within your structure, but you really should learn how to do it. Take a shortcut. Don't take 42 years to get your first book published. So that's what I want to say, Margie. Oh, and you I are so kind. your patience with me. No worries, but I will tell you, y'all don't be confused. Faith novels have these structures they're there and she she actually alluded to it she does it inerrantly she doesn't think about it and write it all down per se but she does it and in her books it's all there baby i'm telling you the conflicts the complications the reflections you open her book um frozen to the middle of the book and it's got that same kind of a a lie revealed almost or just Barely, or there's an opportunity where, yes, where things could be okay, and it is not okay. And so it continues from there. You know, I have to tell you, this is the point. This is my favorite point in a book. Um, the buildup is good, but it's from here on down to the end of the book that I just get all excited. And even when, I, especially when I'm writing, I don't know if it's like this with you, Faye, but when I hit the middle part when I'm writing, it is 
it is speed zone, 80, 80 miles an hour after that. I, I can just really get it. There. Yep. Well, yeah, I can <laughs> I really get it done. Um, now, I will tell you, Faye, that basically, listeners, if y'all are, if you consider yourselves planners, if you, can, if you like your calendar and you make lists to go to the grocery store, chances are you're a planner. Um, if you're a planner, then this can really help you to, to go ahead and yeah. set out the different sections and fill it with the story that's in your head before you start trying to write the chapters. Um, I was the opposite, Faye. I didn't plan out my first book. I just started trying to write the chapters. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. It was disastrous. <laughs> disastrous. Um, <laughs> but, yes, it was so bad. But this can help pantsers as well. Because yeah. even it, even though you won't plan it ahead of time, and I don't blame you, that story, I, I have one of my closest writer buddies is a pantser to the extreme. And she's told me before, she says, you know, I tried to outline it, but once I wrote it all down in an outline, I was bored with the story and I didn't write the story. Oh my gosh, That's please, true. if you're going to, is that you? Please don't That's get bored true. with the story then don't write it down. Write down the outline, but don't write the outline to the story. Just write down these different sections, the different parts and the different yes. sections um, on a piece of paper because this is how it's going to help you, Pantsers. And don't tell me this has never happened to you because I know it has. And I'm not just talking to Faye. I'm talking to all of y'all that are listening and they're like, oh, I'm mm -hmm. a Pantser. This can't do anything for me. I know you have gotten to a point where you have painted yourself in a corner and you can't figure out how to get out. I know that you've gotten to a point to where you're stuck and your characters in your head have stopped talking. And you're like, what do I do now? Wait, I'm still not there yet. I have to get, that's where this can help you. Because then you go in and you plug in what you've already written into this outline and you go, oh, I see where I am. And you can keep going from there. You don't have to plan it all out. You just use it when you get stuck because I'm telling you, Panthers, if you haven't gotten stuck before, you ain't living because you're, you are going to think outside the box and get yourself stuck. Am I right, Faye? I think you remember um, when I was writing Everybody's Broken, I got yes, into, I'm, I'm writing and writing and writing and all of a sudden, as uh, authors always have, their characters are talking to, and this happened to be the villain. And he said, what are you doing? I'm not that stupid. <laughs> They're going to figure out who I am in two seconds flat. I'm not going to give myself away. Why would I do that? And I had to sit the book down, set the manuscript down, walk away. And like you said, my characters weren't coming forth. They weren't telling me what was going on. I couldn't figure out how am I going to get myself out of this because he's right. And yeah. it took me a while. I had to sit down with my, my lock. I use the lock system by James Bell, but it's a structure. Uh -huh. and, and you can do yes. the same thing with what's going on here. And you can figure out, okay, I did this here, but this happened here. So how can I bring this in here? And in my case, when I did that, I realized that there was a lot more going on, that I was right there. I had just skimmed the surface of what was going on. And that's when the book deepened. And there were so many twists and turns in that, in that book that I can't even describe to you that came out of that moment. But I had to stop my seat of the pants. I had to sit down and really look at where I was in the story to figure out how the things that I was having coming in, the little hints and, oh, this is who I think it is, and I was actually trying to keep my reader from knowing that I was leading them right to the killer. And oh, yeah. I had, but then other things happened. And, you know, there were a lot of surprising yeah. twists and turns in that, like more than one there killer. Were. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there were a lot of surprising twists and turns in that book. Yeah. Okay. Pitch. Everyone's broken. Every, no, everybody's broken. Everybody's broken by Fay Lam. You, you want to get twisted. Oh, and read it at Halloween. I'm just going to say that. Just, just do. Go ahead and get it now, but read it at Halloween. You will be glad you did. Um, it is a good movie for the, or a good book for that time period. Um, creepy factor is way high. So I was going to also say, you know, just because I'm a planner and I am a planner. Oh my gosh. I have, one calendar 
in a book and then I have two calendars on the computer. I have a wedding calendar. Yes, I do because I am in the midst of planning my daughter's wedding and helping her plan her wedding, I guess is what I should say. I'm just the most, I'm just the arms on that. She tells me what to do and I do it. So I have at least three, four different calendars right now. And then I have a list on my computer screen on my desktop and I have a list on my refrigerator and I have a meal list on my refrigerator also and I have another list in my day timer is so I, I am a list maker I am a planner to the extreme don't get confused and think that I'm a neat Nick so that's a totally different type of person but I am a planner to the extreme does not even know what day it is <laughs> But even a planner to the extreme, I, my characters talk to me too. And and so I know that I'm not a pantser, but once I get my outline going and once I've got my story written, I've got probably three or four stories that have already been outlined that all I have to do is open chapter one and start writing. Um, timing is also an issue, an issue with me, but um, just because I'm a planner, and just because you might feel like you're a planner doesn't mean that you have to hold yourself in bondage to that outline. Um, I, a, a story that I wrote, gosh, several years ago is a perfect example. And I actually haven't published this one yet um, someday because it's a really cool story. It's called Dust Devil. And at one point, my main character goes into a library and she's on the run. So she's she can't go in and get on email or anything like that. She's on the run. She's hiding. And she goes into the library, and she's she's really homesick for Dallas. Yeah, I know. People actually would get homesick for Dallas. I sure would. So um, she is homesick for Dallas. And so she opens up the Dallas Morning News website and starts looking at news articles and just photos. And she opens one of the one of the um, one of the uh, Fox Four Dallas or whatever the news news. Uh, stations and so she's looking at photos and she sees that a house is burned down and it it's in a suburb gee that's her suburb wow and gosh that could be her neighborhood and as she's looking at the picture she notices the basketball goal on the house behind the one that burnt down because she's looking straight through the rubble and she realizes that it's her house that burned down. Now, Faye, I got to promise you, I got to tell you this. I'm writing this at the time. I'm typing it up, and I went, oh, my gosh, it's her house. I said it out loud and everything just like that, and it totally threw me <laughs> for a loop, but it was so cool. I mean, I bet you as a panther has have things like that happen to you all the time, but for me, that was totally new. I had no idea her house had burned down. I, it was just, it just floored me. I was so excited to have that aha moment. Um, so I ended up, so I wrote it in and changed some things and tweaked a little here and tweaked a little there and up the, uh, up the, uh, suspense a little bit because it is a suspense mm -hmm. but oh my gosh that was the coolest thing and it gave me a little bit of a, of a glimpse into the mind of a pantser <laughs> that also brings up a key thing too about being being so structured don't sit down and think that you are going to write your every move in your structure because your characters are going to come up with a moment like that and you're yes. going to have to deal with and you don't really, but the structure helps you veer off that path for a second and then get back on it and or get bring back another on thought it. into it. Yes. And, and that happens to me several times. I will have, um, I, well, I'm writing Delilah and I've had so very many surprises that she's sending my way. Delilah is a surprising character and I'm really, I can't wait for my readers to meet her, um, and I her can't own wait story. To... I've met her before. Yeah, I'm about to say I've met her, but I can't wait to read her story. That's going to be fun. Yeah, she's revealed so much, so much to me, and I've had so much fun with her because she's just that brash, you know, confident girl, and I love seeing her do silly things. <laughs> she is, she is but, fun. But structure or no structure, your characters are going to sometimes do what they want. Sometimes you need to pull them back, and your structure will help you know when to do that. Or your structure will let you know when you can give them a little bit of 
uh, leeway to do what they want to do and then yank them back into the story. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, once when you have the structure, again, for pantsers or plotters, when you have this particular outline that we're talking about and not necessarily your outline of what's going on in your story, but just these different parts and the different sections within the part, when you have those, if you do veer off your plan, um, if, if you are a planner and you've planned it and you do fear off and go down a rabbit trail, figure out where the rabbit trail leads. It may be something really exciting, like a house burning down. Mm -hmm. But yeah. like Faye said, you can always go back because you have a back to go to. You have, um, you have a place to go. Like Faye today had my back when I got a little lost. Um, and what I was supposed to say. She had my back. Well, that's what this particular outline is for, too. It'll have your back so that you can go back to it and go, oh, this is where I was. Okay, I'm ready to move on from here. Um, and moving on is really important. I'm going to say something really quick before we end up having to leave. Um, yeah. Make sure that, just like what Faye have, has said before when she's talked about um, conflict and and your plot make sure that everything you put in your book everything you put in your novel especially when it comes to these interior sections it must move your novel ahead it cannot be just a holding place get out of the characters heads don't sit there and and think about what's going to happen that that is so boring for a reader at this point, especially when you're building up to the middle of the book and you're coming off the middle of the book. You can't have everything, anything really going on in the characters' heads. A lot of it needs to be action or conversation. Um, it does not need to be thoughts. Now, that doesn't mean that character doesn't think. Your character still is going to think, but the thinks, the, the thinks, <laughs> the thoughts, <laughs> are going to be, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, it's like, the thoughts are going to be um, as they're talking, as they're conversing, or as they're acting, it'll be a reaction to what's going on around them, but not paragraphs of thoughts. Uh, it, it, yeah. At this point, a paragraph of thought is totally tragic. It's like stomping on a brake pedal, and your car, according to Faye, does not have a brake pedal. I love that I love that uh, description. <laughs> if you guys haven't talked, haven't uh, gone back and listened to the sections, uh, the stories, the shows that we did on um, on edit, basically it was editing. It was basically the essential elements of your novel. Um, and it's not like we're doing now where you have different sections. It was actually things like your character and your plot and your pacing. And, and oh my gosh, Faye has a description of a car that is awesome. And so you definitely are going to want to go back and listen to those. So, okay, we are officially at this point halfway through with the movie or the novel, whatever the case may be. So I'm going to do a quick recap. Um, the kind of plot recap that you're not supposed to do. Um, your novel needs to have an initiating section that's not going to only introduce the characters and their goals and their dreams and the lies that they believe, but it's also going to reveal an overarching problem that instigates the plot. That plot beginning of the story and ended at the end of the story. The characters then set a plan in place. Sometimes they actually discuss it, but most of the time they just move through the plan and it has a setback, a minor crisis, and the character can take a different route to achieve their goals. This leads to a reflection section that we discussed today where the main characters have to, fe have to face something that they don't want to face. So we're about halfway there, Faye. Yes, we are. <laughs> That's, and I'm learning. So this is great. And I hope email. that our listeners are Oh, go learning. ahead. Yeah, no, I was say, I'm, I'm learning. Yeah, you can email Faye and me if you have any questions at publishinglane at gmail.com. Lane is L-A-I-N-E, publishinglane at gmail.com. So you guys have an awesome June, a super blessed June. Keep writing. Faye, see you next month. Yes, y'all have a wonderful, warm, and safe June. Oh, don't you curse me with that warm June stuff. We're already warm enough. <laughs> I'm in Florida with you. <laughs> there you go. Bye-bye, Faye. Bye. 
This has been Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. If you'd like to learn more about Margie and her publishing company, visit writeintegrity.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y dot com.